It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we do welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August nineteenth, two thousand and ten. And we are glad that you're part of the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is out of town tonight preaching in Deckerville, Michigan. And in his seat tonight, a seat that uh, may get hot, Monty Overton, a member of the College of Church of Christ, is here with us tonight. Monty, welcome to the program. Good evening, Jacob. It's good to be here. How is the, how is the chair working out for you? Is it hot yet? Is it supposed to be? It might get that way. <laughs> we'll endure. All right. The number to call for you to be a part of the program tonight is 877 381 Four five six seven, or you can email your questions or comments to college questions at collegeview.com. We have a special guest joining us tonight via Skype from Oklahoma City. I guess it's Edmond, Oklahoma. John Duvall is on the program. John, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate the opportunity of being able to sit in with you all today. Well, we're looking forward to having you on. And, uh, John, you do a similar program on Tuesday nights out there. Uh, tell our listeners about that. Yes, we do um, a Tuesday night Bible study similar to this called The Scriptural Way. And that's every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time at scripturalway.org. The setting, the format's a little bit different than this one. We have uh, three of us sit down together in kind of a, a discussion, a formal, I don't want to say a formal discussion, but a discussion. We don't yet have multiple webcams or cams positioned on us individuals, but it's um, off to a good start, I think. Yeah, it's a good study. And, uh, and you guys, uh, you have a, you do a sort of like a class setting where you've got an outline that you follow ahead of time so your listeners can uh, study ahead of time and then uh, come to your, uh, your basically your online class and, uh, and join in the discussion there. Exactly, exactly. Uh, right. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind me mentioning this real quick, I've added a new link that makes it easier to access all of the uh, lessons that we have put together. Okay, and that is at scripturalway.org. That's right. All right. Well, we're, thank you again, John, for being a part of the program tonight. And uh, it is the back-to-school season, and uh, students everywhere are going back to school. It's been a long time since you and I went back to school, Monty, but uh, students are doing that uh, these days. Some things never change. Some things right? never change. And um, uh, as a, as a uh, fact, as they go back to school, they're going to face many challenges. And tonight we want to talk about spiritual school supplies, supplies that our children, our students, will need to take with them so that they can be successful in remaining uh, true to God and doing His will. Spiritual school supplies will be our topic of discussion tonight, and we want to hear from you. What do you think are some things that our students need to take back to school with them? We'd like to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or email questions at collegeview.com. We sent out earlier today to our update list three questions. The first question is, what do you believe is the biggest challenge or what are the biggest challenges facing students today? What are the biggest challenges you believe students are facing today? And uh, the second question then goes along with that, Monty. What are the spiritual school supplies that students will need in order to be faithful to God 
in spite of those challenges that they face? And those are the two main questions. And since it is a school-themed uh, program tonight, I've put out an extra credit question as well. And if you have access to a, a student, uh, and I believe you do, John, uh, have uh, your daughter uh, getting ready to join in the discussion as well with her comments, we'd like to hear from students, if you're out there tonight, uh, that uh, we'd like to hear from you. What do you believe are your biggest challenges uh, that you face as you go back to school? So we look forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. Monty, uh, several years ago when you and I were in school, uh, there were still challenges back in those days, and maybe the challenges are a little bit, little bit uh, more difficult today. I think possibly they are because a lot of the things that we had to deal with um, are maybe more intense, and there may be some new twists to those challenges that – maybe makes it a little more difficult to maintain a Christian life. Okay. Uh, John, uh, you, you, you have had uh, children in school. Uh, the challenges that they face are immense. Oh, they are. And with each child, it's different. Okay. Uh, how yeah, so? As far, well, as far as you, you can have one child that, let's say, um, cares about what other people think. And so when other people make fun of the child, maybe because of the strictness of the parents, then what happens is the the child is therefore then pressured, and many rebel because they don't like the peer pressure, so they they end up giving in to what the kids want them to do. Whereas you could have another child who could care less mm-hmm. about what the about what the peer pressure is, and they're going to do their own thing no matter what. They've got a, a strong resolve, and so with every child, there's a little bit different challenges in regards to the things that they face. All right. Some want to be liked. Some could care less. They just want to do what is right. Okay. Good, good comments. All right. Well, what do our students need in order to be pleased to God? We talked, uh, we asked the question, what are the biggest challenges facing students today? Wade in Hampshire uh, sent in his response. Uh, He has four of the biggest challenges, Monty. He says modesty is the number one challenge facing students today. Certainly that uh, was a challenge in my day and uh, it's probably worse today. Yeah, um, when when I was when I was in school, if you went to town or wherever, uh, t- people were typically dressed a little bit more decent, I think, than they are today. I mean, you go to Walmart today and you can see people in dressed in practically any way, and seems like sometimes dressed in practically nothing, just to be out in town for the whole world to see. And uh, you know. When I was in school, I don't think that was as big a challenge as it is now. Okay. Uh, number two on his list, uh, John, you might want to comment about this, is music. He believes music is a, uh, a big challenge for students today. Well, it is It is a big challenge for students today. And um, while a lot of the, the, the rhythm and stuff that you hear playing I really don't care for myself, the damaging part are the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And you'll have kids who will listen to songs just because they like the beat of the song and not really paying attention to the words, but they are still hearing the words. Right. And uh, matter, As a matter of fact, I saw an article the other day, and the article was talking about how some of the, the more contemporary performers like Lady Gaga and others, how they are actually putting together songs that are you know, sexually suggestive and they're just being eaten up by 10, 11, 12-year-old teenage girls. And that's and it's having an effect. All right. That's amazing. Closely tied to that, uh, John, uh, Wade says that inter- the Internet and movies, he has that as number three, as one of the biggest challenges that students face today. Uh, John, there's not, there are not many movies that you want your high school or pre-high school student watching today. No, no. I, I wouldn't trust the PG-13 rating either. Um, I'd have to do some, we always encourage ours to go, you know, when they say, can I go see such and such movie? We'll tell them, well, 
let's look at the internet. What does it say on the internet? What's the language? What's the the nudity and, and stuff like that? And so that way, because you know, you don't have to go into a movie and be shocked at what's there. No, not people at all. have already seen it and recorded it. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there is no reason uh, to, to to find yourself off guard on on, on the movies today. And then for number four, Bonnie uh, from Wade's list of the challenges facing students today. Uh, choosing the right people to hang around with. That was a problem back in, uh, in our day, and it's a problem today as well. You know, that's uh, always been a challenge. I think when I was in school, I didn't do such a good job of choosing the right people to hang around with, and that caused me some problems. Um, I think that gets back to what John was talking about. A lot of times we want to be liked, and, and the people we hang around with, we want them to like us, and we want to feel like we fit in. And if we're not careful, if we choose poorly in that regard, then we'll be doing the same things they do. We won't have the courage uh, possibly to uh, to do what we ought to be doing with them. And really, I, I agree with Wade's list as far as the things he picked, but I think probably that number four is probably the biggest one because if we choose the right people to hang around with, those people are going to be dressing modesty, modestly. They'll be listening to music that's appropriate if they listen at all. Uh, they'll be looking at the proper things on the Internet and most likely not watching too many of the movies that's out today. And those people will influence us to do good. So I would really think, you know, Wade's, the, the list he has is good, but I would really think that choosing the right people to hang around with would be the biggest thing in school. Because if we could choose the right people, it will really help us. And if we choose the wrong people, it's really going to drag us down. Okay. Chris in the chat room tonight uh, adds his comments. Um, I don't know where Chris is uh, from tonight, uh, but uh, we're glad that he's here. Uh, he says, as a returning student after 17 years, I see students faced with sex, drugs, alcohol, and modesty. Uh, so uh, certainly uh, some good things, uh, some challenges that uh, Chris sees as a uh, returning, I guess we call him a non-traditional student after 17 years. So appreciate uh, those comments. Chris uh, chimes in in the chat room, says he's in Texas tonight. So, Chris, glad that you're there. Uh, Mike and Chris in Columbia, Tennessee, send in these challenges. There seems to be more of a hostile attitude towards people who are Christians today in the schools, maybe not as much from classmates, but from teachers and school boards that seem to try and prohibit anything that is godly from being allowed in school while allowing homosexuality and other sinful activities to be promoted. Uh, what about the agenda you see in schools today, John? Uh, a challenge there? Oh, absolutely. Um it's what we're having to fight against, or, or I should say prepare a child against, is the overall, I don't want to say hidden agenda because it's pretty well public in the way that they teach, but it's what's being pushed. Now, having said that, of course, not every teacher is in that category. Uh, years ago, when I was still quite young, I preached a lesson, and even back then there was a case in point of trying to get homosexual books within the public li- or in the school library. Up, up north, and so I made comment, this is what our schools are doing, and one of our members was a school teacher, and she came up, up to me, and she said, I'll have you know, not every school teacher does that, and she was quite serious, but as as an overall, yeah, I, I think it's a big hidden agenda that we have to prepare our children against. All right. I appreciate those comments from Mike and Chris, and finally, Don in Antioch, Tennessee, uh, says it will definitely be challenging to find friends of like belief and to avoid the negative and non-Christian influence of those other belie- of other beliefs. And so uh, Don agrees with uh, what you said, Monty, earlier about uh, about the associations of uh, those yeah. in school. All right, uh, the number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. And Rhonda, who is also in Edmond, Oklahoma, says we're blessed to have some pretty conservative school teachers here. 
in Edmond, Oklahoma. Uh, but uh, certainly she, she also adds, uh, I think that uh, the forcing upon our children, the idea of acceptance of alternative lifestyle choices is a big challenge today. And that, uh, Monty, was probably a challenge that you didn't face in, in, uh, when you were in school. Uh, that is something that has come along later, that acceptance of uh, homosexuality in particular uh, uh, today. You know, Jacob, I'm sure that when I was in school, there may have been some people there that were homosexuals, but we didn't know it. Right. Um, I, we just didn't have to deal with that type of thing. There were other things going along. Uh, there were some people that we maybe thought might possibly have been that direction, but they didn't. They weren't out of the closet, so to speak. It was still something. If you were that way, that you kind of kept to yourself because it, you know, I, when I, well, I've been out of school over 30 years, so that wasn't a, a open thing that was done. But today, I, I, was, I imagine at school, there's a lot of people that people know that you know this person over here is a homosexual and. You know, you really can't do anything or say anything about it, or you'll be the one to get kicked out of school. Okay. Uh, Chris in uh, the chat room again says, The alternative lifestyle agenda is something we should face with our children together and teach them how to stand strong when they are on their own. And we certainly agree with that. We're t- going to take a break. And uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to get in. We've talked about the challenges that students are facing today. We're going to get into then some of the spiritual school supplies that they need in order to combat those challenges and overcome them. We'd like to hear from you over email tonight, questions at collegeu.com, or send us your comments in the chat room, or uh, give us a call, better yet, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Hi, I'm Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a suggestion for you and your family. Why not turn off the TV on Thursday nights and gather the family around the computer for an hour of in-depth Bible study? The virtual Bible study always involves subjects of importance and interest to serious Bible students. So, why not join this Internet Bible study group every Thursday night? Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We appreciate you for being a part of it. We're talking about spiritual school supplies. Monty Overton is in my dad's seat tonight. And John Duvall from Edmond, Oklahoma, is uh, over the Internet connected to us via Skype tonight. And so we're looking forward to the discussion to you with you. Now, what do we need to be pleasing to God? How do we overcome the challenges we face? Monty, what's the most important thing you would think? I believe if we're going to be acceptable to God, one of the most important supplies that we need to provide ourselves and our children with is a good knowledge of God's Word. Okay. Because it doesn't matter how well-intentioned we are, if we don't if we don't understand and know what God's Word is and have an accurate understanding of it, we're not going to be pleasing to Him no matter how hard we try. All right. It is impossible, as you said, Monty, to be pleasing to God without a knowledge of His Word. In the 119th Psalm, beginning verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto? Uh, according to thy word, with my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. John, if we're going to be pleasing to God, young or old, if we're going to overcome the challenges in this life, we've got to have a working knowledge of God's word. Whoop, John, are you there? 
Yes, that's right. Okay. <laughs> that mute button gets you every time, won't it? It will. It will. <laughs> um, you used two strong words there that helped to emphasize the point. You said a working knowledge. And um, it's without the working knowledge of God's word, no child, no person will live right before God. And, John, uh, do you see maybe there's a disconnect in our uh, understanding of that? Maybe we understand that in our lives personally, but maybe there's some parents who don't understand how critical it is for their children. Well, I think face-to-face they would say, yeah, I know it's important. But I think you're right. In the reality and the application of it, I think many of them just don't see – they don't see what the problem is. They don't see where the danger actually lies. Right. Uh, Monty, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 gives us, uh, you know, another instruction about the importance of this and tells uh, parents that you've got a responsibility to make sure your children understand God's word. Yes, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, as a father myself, I recognize and understand the importance of that because I have to teach my children God's word. It's not... Uh, the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's not the preachers or the elders or the people at church total responsibility, but it's my responsibility to see to it that my children are, are taught God's word and they understand it. Now, the Sunday school teacher and the elders and the other people at church, the efforts that they put forth toward my children should be more like icing on the cake, but that shouldn't be all that my children get. It's the reinforcement. It's not the foundation. Yeah, the foundation needs to come from home, okay. and it's my responsibility as a father to see to it that that happens. And I'm not leaving my wife out in that regard either because when we raised our children, we homeschooled, and that was one of the courses that we had in school was was Bible education, and in the process of our homeschooling, my wife done a verse-by-verse study through the whole Bible with my children from Genesis to Revelation, okay. and so they were taught, but it was my responsibility as a father to make sure that that was happening and to reinforce that with them. Okay, John, what about the uh, common theme, though, that we hear that people don't want to force religion on their children? They basically leave it up to their children if they want uh, to learn about God and uh, His will. They, they can do that themselves, but the parents don't want to do anything to to what they would call forced religion on their children. What about that idea? Well, I think it's, uh, it's an idea that's just wrought with problems. Um, for any Christian, to, to for anyone who would call themselves a Christian, to adopt that philosophy with their children is just completely irresponsible as a Christian. Um, you know, children, you think about it, the Solom- uh, writer Solomon in Proverbs said that foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. I think the idea of foolishness being bound up in the heart of the child is is because of a lack of knowledge. And you have to steer the child in the direction you want the child to go. And if you want them to go to heaven, you've got to start them early heading in that direction with knowledge. All right. And uh, that idea of the rod of correction driving that foolishness from it doesn't sound like a passive thing to me, John. It doesn't sound like something I just leave it up to my children to decide. That's right. Uh, I, as a parent, need to have an active role in that. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, you know, Timothy's mother and grandmother had an active role, uh, Monty, in uh, the, the raising of Timothy and making sure that he understood the scriptures. Yes, in Second Timothy chapter three and verse fifteen, Paul comments about Timothy, and he says, "And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." So Timothy's mother and grandmother were taught 
understood that it was important for Timothy to understand and know the Word of God. And so they put some effort into that to teach him that. It says from a child. So this what they didn't wait. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to wait till my children get to some age or another, five or six or ten or twelve, and then we'll start trying to give them some kind of religious training and see what they think about it. Well, that's too late. They need to start learning that from infancy. They, from, you know, from the earliest they come home from the hospital, after they're born, they need to see us reading and studying the Bible and then just grow into that from themselves. We can start teaching by example, and they'll, our children are smart, and they'll catch on to that. We, when we show that emphasis, and, and we take then as they get older, take the trouble to teach them. When they can older understand what we're saying, they can be taught the Bible. All right. Uh, the number Sorry. calls eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven with your questions or comments. Send an email to questions at collegeu.com or join in the chat room with other listeners. Uh, tonight, uh, if you're in the chat room, you don't need a username to comment. Uh, you can comment anonymously tonight. Uh, so we hope to hear from you there. John, any comments about uh, about that uh, first point on the knowledge of God's word? I think we think you've covered it very well. I mean, we just again we cannot emphasize strong enough the importance of parents teaching their children the word of God and then showing them how to apply that. You know, one of the things something to kind of think about Deuteronomy chapter six there where uh, Moses is giving instructions to the children of Israel regarding how to teach the law of God to their children. One of the things that I found interesting, he says, you teach it to them when you're on the way, when you rise up, when you go down, when you lay down at night. And so when we pick our kids up from school, ask them what happened at school, and then ask them, what do you think God thinks about that? What does the Bible say about that? You know, application there. All right, excellent, excellent comments. All right, well, the next thing that uh, we had on our list, and we're looking forward to hearing from you on your list of what things students need in order to overcome uh, the challenges they face uh, is really segued nicely by Rhonda in Edmond, Oklahoma. And Rhonda really uh, really seems to be uh, with it uh, there, John. Uh, excellent comments from Rhonda tonight. I don't know. Uh, uh, Rhonda is uh, John's uh, uh, wife, and uh, she says that it is so important to teach your children to do what is right all the time. She says, we just had a lesson this past Wednesday on honor. We seem that uh, we explained that honor comes through choosing to do the right thing, even when it is not popular, even when it brings hardship and the loss of friendship. We've got to teach our children that they're going to do the right thing all the time, John, and that really gets down to having courage, moral courage, to do what God wants us to do regardless of the consequences. Absolutely. That that moral excellence there. Um you, you think about the, our responsibility to be, as adults, as Christians, to be a light into the world. We have to teach our children to be that very light as well. And you know, Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And the only way that the child will ever let their light shine bright is if they have the courage to, when things are very dark, to stand out, to be a part, to shine bright. All right. And... Um, it's, it's so important to stress to them. You know, back a few, well, several years ago, Bonnie, Nancy Reagan was uh, famous for telling kids to just say no. And uh, that's a, that was a good theme. Uh, that yeah. was a good idea. Kids needed to have the courage to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, maybe today uh, kids have forgotten that idea. I believe they have. You know, we talked about having a good knowledge of God's Word and a working and functioning knowledge of it and understanding it. It doesn't matter how much knowledge we have and how much understanding we have. If we don't have the moral courage then to put that knowledge and understanding to use, then that knowledge is no good to us. So when we're teaching our children uh, that knowledge, we also need to be teaching them how to be courageous 
and as you said, to, to just say no and to take a stand for what's right. It's not enough to just tell them about it. We have to teach them also how to put it to use. Now, when you were a student, did you know of kids who knew the right thing to do, but when the pressure got on, the peer pressure got turned up, uh, they they yielded and the, they gave in? Yeah, I knew one named Monty that did. <laughs> okay, all right. We probably all did it to, yeah. at some time. Um, and so we need to have that courage. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, beginning of verse 10, uh, the proverb writer says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lie wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. Proverb writer there, uh, John, is telling uh, young people, you have to have the courage to say no. That's right. That's right. And you know, it's interesting when you look at even the whole book of Proverbs, you find Solomon writing it to his sons. And even at one point, he referenced the fact that these things were things that his father, David, had taught him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's outstanding advice for his sons. Now, tragically, they didn't follow it as they should have. Um, but for our children, we could give them the same sound advice. Exactly. Uh, Rhonda adds, uh, I think too many ch- parents are living vicariously through their children. Uh, most children uh, think one to be popular. It seems that uh, too many parents are concerned with their, that their children won't be popular if they don't do what the world says is popular. Uh, and uh, so excellent comments. Uh, Chris adds, uh, teaching children what is right in God's eyes is more important than what friends see as right. Teaching them to love the sinner and hate the sin is important. Uh, and to show their friends what is right. They can be examples to friends if we do as God tells us to. And so excellent comments uh, from Chris uh, tonight as well. What do you think? 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Uh, John, you have uh, uh, some some thoughts on moral courage as well that uh, you wanted to add as, into the discussion. Well, we think about Paul's admonition to the church in Ephesus. And this is this comes from Ephesians 4, 17 through 20. And I think children need to listen to this as well. Even if one has not yet obeyed the gospel's call into salvation, the, the principle here of right living still can be practiced within their life in preparation. But Paul makes the point there in Ephesians 4, 17. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord. And by the way, this is coming from the English Standard Version. Um, I just realized that where I've got it in my notes. He says, now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You know, And he talks about how that their understanding is darkened, how that they are alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. He talks about how their heart is hardened. So then he says they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. And you know, we need to show the world, we need to show our children that the world, they're walking on one level. We have to rise above that world. We have to rise above in our behavior and our love for God. And we have to rise above in holiness and rise above in honesty and, and courage. Because if we don't rise above, we're going to be swept away with the undercurrent that flows through the world. We have to stay above it. Um, one one example, Jacob, have you ever heard of the fellow, and I meant to ask you this earlier, have you ever heard of a, uh, Ricky Don Blackman? I have not. Rick, I'll tell you the story about Ricky Don Blackman real quick, and there are open letters on the Internet if you just search for Ricky Don Blackman. Um, Ricky Don was executed August 4, 1999. Ricky Don was a member of the church. He was raised by a, a man who was a gospel preacher. 
Mm-hmm. And um, Ricky Don, when he, as he tells the story, when he was about 15 years old, he was uh, under a lot of peer pressure from the children around him to smoke and to do various things like that. And so he began smoking. He began engaging in the things that the, the children and everything were engaging in and giving into their peer pressure. Well, his life led him, and he allowed, he allowed himself to be led in such a path where he end up, ended up murdering a man for a woman over some money. And as a result, he was executed on being on death row for that murder. Yeah. Now, he, he, he writes a letter to the young people trying to tell them, don't walk the same path. Mm-hmm. You have to stand up for yourself and for yourself as a Christian. Yeah. Now, where was, where was this gentleman located? Uh, do you know, John? Uh, let's see. He was executed in Texas. Okay. There's a similar story that I know of in Alabama where a, a young man who was raised uh, in the church uh, allowed the peer pressure, uh, as you mentioned, John, to uh, to sway him. He began to uh, follow the crowd, and uh, and where the crowd led was death row and his ultimate execution. And he did a similar thing, John, where he wrote a letter explaining the folly of not standing up for what's right. But, uh, you know, Monty, as uh, kids uh, f- try to stand up for what's right, they're going to have to be prepared for the fact that kids are going to be harsh. They're going to make fun of him. And, uh, and young and old are going to face the reality of Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You young know, th- people are going to have to suffer persecution for standing up for what's right. I think a lot of times that may be one of the things that we fail to teach our children when we're trying to train them and we try to teach them the right things to do and how to properly follow God. But we don't prepare them for this peer pressure and the fact that they're going to suffer persecution. I think we... Sometimes we try to leave them with the feeling or whatever that well, you're a Christian now, and so everything's going to be wonderful and go great for you for the rest of your life. Well, that's an unrealistic thing to try to teach them. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, it says, Blessed are you when men shall hate you and when they shall uh, uh, separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. We have to understand and teach our children that people aren't always going to like them when they try to live right. But sometimes people are going to hate them for the fact that they've taken a stand for what's right, and they need to be prepared for that. And if we don't do that, then we're not supplying our children as we should. Well, Paul wasn't ashamed of uh, the gospel of Christ, uh, John, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He wasn't ashamed. He was willing to suffer the consequences of standing up for what's right, and our kids need to emulate uh, Paul's example. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh-huh. And something we'll talk about a little bit later in the, in the, in the study tonight, they learn it from us. Okay. All right. Excellent comments. Chris in Atlanta, Georgia says the biggest challenges our students face today are too many to list. I'm shocked every day when I drop my daughter off at high school in the mornings. Skimpy dress, lewd behavior, and foul language that would make a marine drill instructor blush are commonplace. Not to mention all the pent-up emotions that lead to drama and, sadly, violence at times. They are bombarded with examples of every vice known to man by the media, peers, and social media. To make matters worse, I see too many Christians involved in gossip, hateful attitudes towards brethren, and backbiting. Many of our children are not getting the examples and relief they need even at home and church. Our children need every ounce of support and prayers we can offer. Thank you, Chris, for those comments, and certainly we agree with them tonight. We want to hear from you, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and the chat room is open to those without a username tonight, so join in the discussion there. We're going to take a break, and we'll continue right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. 
Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Those who run businesses and hire employees are always in search of the best people to work for them. In fact, finding good people to fill crucial roles is one of the most difficult aspects of operating a successful enterprise. Typically, there are two different kinds of workers. Some are only looking to draw a paycheck. They quickly analyze the job situation, determine the bare minimum that is required, and then apply themselves to ensure that they do only enough to maintain the job and avoid being fired. The other type of employee really wants to do a good job. His goal is to please the employer and do everything possible to make the business succeed. This kind of person will even sacrifice his own personal interest at times in favor of the good of the company. Such employees as these are the cream of the crop, and they are the ones that every boss hopes to find. In any church, you can identify the same two types of workers. Unfortunately, there are those who want to find the minimum amount of work that is necessary. They want to be regarded as in good standing, but they really don't desire to do any more than is absolutely required. A common question of such folks is this. Where does the Bible say I have to? They apply this question to things like Sunday night worship or Wednesday night Bible class. During gospel meetings, you need not expect them to be present because they don't see where the Bible says they have to. Teach a Bible class? Visit a sick person? Invite a neighbor? Encourage a weak member? Show where the Bible says this is absolutely necessary and they might consider doing it. Otherwise, no way. The other type of worker is faithful in all things. In fact, this type of member is not interested in doing the minimum. Such folks want to do all they can to help in the important work of the church. Need a volunteer? Looking for assistance regardless of the job? Look to these people, for they constitute the working core of the congregation. They can be counted on in all situations, even when it involves sacrifice. Without them, the congregation would fail. God bless this sort of member. Which kind of worker are you? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. This is Jared in Warwickshire, England. Listen to the chat from the virtual Bible study each Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight. We are glad that you're part of the program. This program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Dot com. If you have any questions about anything you hear on any virtual Bible study program or you have questions about what we believe or practice, send us an email or give us a call anytime. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 877-381-4567. That's toll-free tonight. Or send an email to questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about spiritual school supplies that our students need in order to be pleasing to God, John Duvall is joining us over the Internet tonight from Edmond, Oklahoma. We're glad that you're here, John. And Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, says that the biggest school supplies that we that students need today are, number one, the Word of God, number two, aids like the virtual Bible study and teen Bible studies, and number three, good teachers who are committed to Bible classes. And as we talked before the break about moral courage, Mike and Chris in Columbia Echo those sentiments with uh, the biggest school supplies or the, the school, school supplies that our students need to be pleasing to God. Mike and Chris quote Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. They add students need to decide now how they are going to handle things before they are faced with a situation that may cause them to sin or put them in a bad situation also, our children need knowledge of the scriptures to combat such false teachings as evolution, homosexuality, and atheism that they will encounter. 
Even though some aspects of these topics may seem to be a bit difficult for them to understand, we cannot wait until they reach college age to think that they will then understand it. Children can understand the basic arguments and facts that show evolution is false, but they won't know it unless we talk with them about it. We also need to teach our children that being different is okay, and sometimes it will mean that others may ridicule them or they may be left out in certain activities because of their faith. They need to be strong in the face of peer pressure when they may be called intolerant or and hateful simply by taking a stand for the truth. We appreciate those comments from Mike and Chris tonight. And Don in Antioch adds this for what our students need today. And this is an interesting comment. He says, parents need to quit complaining about the myth of prayer being taken out of school and start supplying their kids with the knowledge that prayer never was taken out of school at any time, any place. They can uh, find great comfort in, in prayer. Uh, their number one friend is Jesus, and he isn't imaginary. And so Don says, John, that uh, our students can still be praying in school, and they need to be praying. You know, I think he makes an excellent point. Through the years, I've heard people, you know, you know holler, the sky is falling, because they say that uh, children can't pray in school. And I've often contended all along, they can too pray. Yeah. Anytime during the day, they can, bow, they, can close, they can bow their head. They don't even have to close their eyes. But they can say a, a silent prayer to God. And, you know, that was not on our list of uh, things that our students need today, but it should have been. And prayer is uh, definitely, John, something that our students will have to have in their yeah. uh, their toolbox of spiritual school supplies in order to be pleasing to God. All right. That's exactly right. All right. Uh, we, have, uh, we have some more emails to get to and your comments in the chat room, so join in the discussion today. The chat room is really going crazy. If you're not in the chat room tonight, if you're watching us from our website, uh, Go to our show page by clicking the menu button in the bottom right-hand corner of the video window that you're looking at and click Go to Show Page, and the chat room will be on your right-hand side. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the chat room tonight. Well, uh, Monty, as we think about uh, school-age students and really uh, adults as well, one thing that's vitally important and one thing that uh, I didn't have, as I should have in, uh, when I was in school, is a respect for authority. Our students need that. Our students definitely need a respect for authority, and as we talked about other things, that respect has to begin to be learned at home. Uh, we talked about the rod of correction driving foolishness from away from the heart of a child, and I believe that's where that initially is done because we teach our children to respect us as parents because we punish them when, we, when they misbehave. Uh, if we don't do that, then they won't have any respect for us. And if we can't teach them to respect us, how are we going to teach them to respect the laws of the land? And if we can't teach them to respect us as physical parents and the physical laws of the land, how in the world are we ever going to expect that they're going to respect the laws of God and, and do what he wants them to do? So that has to start in the home. We have to teach them that respect for authority. And it doesn't always mean that we're just, uh, as my, the term my parents used with me, whipping us all the time, uh, you know, some kind of corporal punishment. There's other ways to do that. But they have to understand that they have to respect us. And then when we teach them that properly from the time they're very small, and, and continue with that throughout their lives, then they can respect the human laws and, and ultimately and most importantly, God. How big a problem is it, John, do you think, the, uh, the respect for authority among young people today? Among young people in general, I think it's a, um, it's a huge problem. Um, you just you talk to any young person and, and listen and have them to tell you how other young people talk to their teachers or maybe how they talk to their parents when they go over to their houses. And... Um, there's a, and I think a lot of parents they they don't they want to go against the idea kind of like what we were talking about earlier with letting your child form their own religious beliefs. 
you know, they don't want to bind on them certain things regarding, you know, saying yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. But all of these things are crucial, and it's not being taught the way that it should be taught. It's been a problem, uh, John. It was a problem when you were a youngster. It's a problem today. And uh, and those who want to be pleasing to God are going to have to have a respect for authority. In Second Kings chapter 2, uh, Monty, uh, in the beginning of verse 23, uh, we see a, a story of uh, some uh, some students, or not some students, some youngsters who didn't respect authority, didn't respect those who were older. And I'm sure it seemed like a good time. I'm sure it seemed like a real funny prank. Uh, but uh, we know at the end of the story they got eaten by bears, beginning of verse 23 of Second Kings chapter 2. And he went up talking about Elisha. Uh, from thence unto Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord, and there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Uh, a lot of children died that day because of the lack of respect. Now, the bears aren't eating children who are disrespectful today, but God is no less uh, disappointed with children who are disrespectful of those who are elderly today. You know, we we have to teach our children this respect. It's not something that they're going to learn automatically or just know by instinct as, as the animals know how to do certain things. We have to teach them that, and it's our responsibility, you know. And we can see here that physically the consequences here in Second Kings was, was very, very drastic, but ultimately, spiritually, the consequences are a lot worse, you know, because as far as the physical death of these children here, it, it, they died, and then that part was over with. They wasn't going to hurt anymore physically. But if we don't teach our children to respect God and his authority, then they're going to have that eternal consequence of, in judgment and and. It, in some respects, it's going to be our fault because we failed to teach them. John, how do you how do you instill that respect for authority in your children? Well, you start young, and you teach them to first respect you. We're talking when they're little kids. You teach them to respect you, and then at the same time, you begin to teach them about God. And because because it's, it's easy to tell them verbally, you need to respect God. But you're the one that's in their face all the time. They first need to respect their parents. And then their parents are teaching them about respecting God. They'll learn that. And then their parents teach them about respecting authority. But the point is, it begins within the home, within the parents demanding respect from their children. And the parents aren't doing that today, are they? No. No, they're not. All right. The, the, the common idea is you don't discipline your children. You want to be friends with your children and rather than, than the parents, and uh, there's no respect there, money. You know, I told my children one time when my daughter was saying something that effect that we ought to be able to be friends and just talk to her about things. And I said, honey, when you get in your 20s or 30s, we'll see about being friends. But right now I'm your parent, and this is how it's going to be. Because you can't, you just can't be their friend really and truly like we think of friends when they're children because we have to be right. that authoritative uh, disciplinarian that we that God demands us to be, that the Bible teaches us to be, and you can't be a friend and do that. We can be pleasant with them, uh, and we can be close family members together, but the kind of friend that, that, that the world talks about that, it just won't work as far as child raising goes. John, your thoughts on that? I think he's absolutely right. You've got too many parents trying to be uh, buddies and friends with their children. And um, that's not going to work. All right. The number call is 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeu.com. John, our students uh, today, uh, they'll need a respect for authority, but they'll also need a good example from their parents and uh, from adults in general. Uh, I think uh, probably a lot of young people today are not living as they should because they don't see the adults in their lives living as they should. 
Oh, that's absolutely right. Uh, not to try to use a, a, a phrase that's been beaten to death already in the world, but your actions do speak louder than your words. And um, there have been so think about it, there have been so many children who have grown up cursing and swearing and maybe being um, I don't know prejudiced, whatever, all because they were raised watching their mom and dad do it. Yeah. And their mom and dad may tell them you can't say that, you don't talk that way. But man, if they hear their mom and dad say uh, use that language or whatever the example is said, they're going to follow it. Because hopefully they respect them. Uh, back to our earlier point, but yeah. uh, and then if, if so, if mom and dad do it, it certainly it's going to be okay. If not, at the very least, Monty, they can't. They're not going to get on to me for it if I'm doing the same thing they're doing. You know, I think a lot of the problem we have in that regard, especially in our country, is a cultural thing, because uh, we see ourselves we're a free people and we can go and do the things that we want to do, and we kind of get the attitude nobody's going to tell us what we can do. Well, we teach that by example to our children if we're not careful. When they see us being disobedient, whether it's to God's word or to the physical laws of the land, you know, we don't stay in the speed limit or we don't stop at the stop signs or just whatever it might be. Uh, we're teaching them to, that disrespect and we're, and we're doing it through our poor example. And our children don't need poor examples because there's plenty of them out in the world sure. without us providing an extra one for them. They need good examples from us. And in that way, we can be setting that example like we talked about earlier about the moral courage uh, when something comes up that would maybe entice us to do wrong and our children see us stand up and do what's right and make a stand that no i'm not going to do that because it's wrong then that's how they can learn that courage so all these things we've talked about them the knowledge of god word the moral courage the respect for authority everything we've talked about they can learn that from our example if we will provide that example for them john i've known uh people who have uh, are more, much more faithful to god than their parents ever thought about being but those are the exception to the rule john i'm sure you would agree most uh most student parents who are not at living as they should will likely have uh children who follow in their footsteps that's right it the, the sad thing is is that it's it works both ways if um ju- you can have faithful parents and the faithfulness of the parents doesn't guarantee the end faithfulness of the children um, they're setting the right example, but it's still the children's choice to follow God. Now, the reverse of that can be true. The unfaithfulness of the parents don't always guarantee the unfaithfulness of their children. Many children have grown up despite their parents serving God. They've grown up to serve God despite their parents. But you're right, uh, Jacob. I think the majority of the times, though, the children will walk in the same shoes as their parents do. All right. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. We need to take a break. But, Monty, quickly, your, your thoughts. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse uh, 6, it says, Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about you. Paul was telling Titus here, you lead by example. You be that pattern of good works. You show by your example how people ought to act. Exactly right. We need that a good example. We've got to show it. Our students desperately need a good example from those who are adults. We're going to take a break, and we'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. 
Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile, in South America, and I love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. And uh, we're talking about spiritual school supplies. Earlier in the day, I sent out an extra credit uh, question to ask you if you had uh, access to students today. Ask them what the biggest challenges they believe that they face are. And uh, Wade sends in uh, his response from a student. The f- biggest challenges students face today, bad language, uh, bad attitude, and cheating. Uh, those are common themes, uh, Monty, that uh, we uh, experience in our day as well. I appreciate that. Perspective And, John, your daughter has replied uh, to the challenges that she believes she's facing. The biggest challenges are the way people choose to dress, their language. Some, uh, for some, heavier challenges may be different than what's a heavy challenge for us. For some, it may be sexual sins. Others, it may be drinking and smoking. Even even lying has become a hard sin to run away from. The five-finger discount. Stealing has become a popular thing as well nowadays, and kids get pressured into stealing all kinds of things. John, I was unaware of that, that uh, that children are pressured into stealing today as well. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's amazing the things that children are facing. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's that peer pressure, and there's always something new. Always something different that they're trying to get kids to do. Okay. Uh, And uh, Hannah has uh, responded with uh, ways that we can overcome it. Excellent comments from Hannah tonight. She says, I think we should take our Bibles to school even if it's one on your phone. Uh, You didn't have that. That was not a possibility in your day, was it, Monty? Uh, Cell phones came along when I was well into my adulthood. (laughs) Okay. Uh, As Christians, we need to be wearing strength, salvation, good works, humility, honor, and many more. We need self-control, and we need to bridle our whole body. If Christians would do that, it would be so much easier to resist sin, even when mom and dad aren't around watching you. We need to always keep in mind that God always sees, and everyone else does too. As soon as we slip up or give in once, the people who were around will hold that against you. We need to think about it this way when we are even when, uh, whenever we are tempted. Think of it as a test. Ask yourself, am I going to pass this test with a 100 or fail it with a zero? Because sin is sin. And, uh, there is no in-between. You make a 100 by walking away from that temptation and tell sin no. Don't even think about doing or participating in that sin because then you've already sinned, and once you do that, you ha- made a zero. So let's pass all our tests and even help others pass theirs as well. John, I appreciate Hannah's comments tonight. And it uh, looks like, uh, John, you have done a good job uh, getting uh, teaching Hannah uh, the way of the Lord. We appreciate the, her, her perspective tonight. Well, I, I appreciate that. I've I got to give half, if not 75% of the credit to her mother. Well, and uh, her mother's in the chat room tonight. If you'd like to uh, uh, talk with uh, her, she is handy teacher in the chat room tonight. Um, We're talking about the spiritual school supplies that our children need in order to be pleasing to God. Mike, uh, who is in Orleans, Indiana, says the biggest challenges uh, my son would just like a few kids to be friends with where he can fit in, at least in some limited way. He says dirty jokes are a problem as well. 
so uh, Mike's son has feels like he's the only one interested in pleasing God, and so certainly that's difficult uh, for a young person. Monty, it gets a little bit easier as we get older, but uh, that peer pressure will always be there in our lives. But it is probably heightened when we're a young person. Yeah, I believe when we get older and we're making our own way and earning our own living, and we kind of sometimes come to finally come to the conclusion that you know these people that I would like to fit in with, uh, they're not going to pay my bills. They're not going to take care of me in any really in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So we finally come to the conclusion, maybe for the most part, that it really doesn't matter to us what we think. We've got to do what we know is right, so we can take care of our family and and provide and achieve our own salvation through obedience to God so we get to where that's not as big a deal for us. But when we're younger that's, and we're not out on our own, so to speak, I think that's a whole lot more temptation to, to definitely we want to fit in. You know, uh, John, we ought to uh, ask the question, John, how many of the friends that you had in high school are still your friends today? Well... Not many of them. I mean, we, I've renewed some acquaintances on fa- on Facebook. Right. But um, the the there, there, there's there's some there's some. Not, um, not many though, are there? Yeah. In in principle, not many. No. Imani, same with you. Uh, probably of the nearly 400 people in our class, the only reason I see probably any of them from my class at all is my daughter happened to marry one of my classmates' sons. <laughs> uh, so if it wasn't for that, I, I don't well, you recall. You may not be friends now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if it wasn't for that, I very rarely see anybody that I went to school with. Right, right. It, 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 you know, John, there are a lot of people who are compromising themselves and, and sinning uh, to please people that just maybe a year or six months from now they will may never see again. You know, and that's what's so sad about it is because – when, when I look back to my high school years, just just those three or four years there, at the time it seemed extremely important. But yeah. then when you look back at it, it's just, I mean, four years goes by now and you you, you blink and you miss it. Yep. But kids can't see past the that point in their life. It's like they've got tunnel vision focused on that part of their life and they think that's it. Okay. All right. Uh, quickly, a couple more points before we conclude, and this one is important, John. Uh, you know, we t- teach our kids that school is very important, that they need to do well in school. They uh, need to be very studious and diligent uh, about their uh, their schoolwork. But I think that a lot of parents have forgotten the the pers- the perspective that they need to have here, and forgotten where school needs to fit in pri- in the list of priorities. Our kids today, John, uh, shudder the thought, need to learn that there are some things that are more important than school. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you, you didn't hear any parents saying that tonight, maybe, but, uh, John, you may be, we may be making a lot of parents mad, but there are some things that are more important than school. There are. There are absolutely more important things than school. School is, is fine, and school has its place and its purpose, but... Um, I knew this a member of the church one time when I was talking about this very thing a number of years ago. Um, she she took issue with me because in her mindset, the kids had to make straight A's. And they she basically forced them to do that. That was the number one within their life yeah. to make straight A's. Now, if a kid wants to obtain that on their own, that's fine. But, you know, they're not. If they sacrifice God, then they've got straight F's, in yeah. a matter of speaking. Absolutely. Have you ever known, John, uh, parents who show up on Wednesday night without their student, without their kids, and you ask where the kids are, are they sick? No, they're uh, they're just at home. They had a lot of homework to do tonight. 
I knew instances like that when I was growing up, and I know instances about it today. What's that tell our kids, Monty, when we when we do that? We tell them that there's something more important than serving God when we do that. You know, and I think we find it's relating that to school and thinking, finding and learning that there's some things more important to school. It's not just with the studies. Uh, we see p- people and their children, uh, they'll, they'll miss worship or they'll miss Wednesday night Bible study uh, because there was some kind of athletic endeavor that they're involved in or uh, a band endeavor or um, a beta club or some other school activity. Anything that you think I'll be re- related to school. And, uh, well, they had this activity, so they're not here tonight. Well, what we're teaching them is that it's okay to miss worship if you've got something that you like to do. And, and we, if we're not yeah. careful, we're going to teach that, and that carries over. They learn that well, school is more important. Well, as we get older, work's more important. I can miss, I can miss uh, religious activities. I can, I can lay out a church, so to speak, uh, because I needed to work. So then we're putting money ahead of God. And, and when they see us, if we put work ahead of God, then they learn that from us. And, and they got the, our children are intelligent, and they can figure out for themselves, well, if what Daddy thought was important was okay to mix worship for, than what I think is important. And so things that we wouldn't even consider missing worship for, they'll decide is important, and that's okay too. And so we've got to set that example from them that there, there's things that's more important than school. And I'm not saying any of these at school activities within themselves are bad, whether any of these associations necessarily are not bad, but they become bad when they interfere with our serving God. All right, John, your thoughts? Well, Oftentimes, the, the mindset will be, well, it's just a Wednesday night service. It's just every now and then. It's, you know, cannot be that harmful. The problem is, and going right there with what Monty was saying, it establishes a pattern that's not full grown until they get, until they get grown. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's going to stick with them. Yep. And once they get grown, there's not much you can do about it. Yep. Mike in, uh, in Orleans, Indiana says, you know, it is sad when we make sure we get all schoolwork done, but we're unprepared. If we're unprepared for Bible class, then that's okay. And then that the in that the, the lesson that we teach our kids uh, sometimes, John, that you make oh, yeah. sure you get your your schoolwork, your homework done, but then very little emphasis made on preparing for Bible class. When I was raised, um, I, it was under the threat of the belt if I forgot to do my Bible lesson. Um, but nowadays, it's just parents don't even think about doing their own bible lessons yeah so they don't get upset at their kids when they don't do theirs and it's again it's a pattern that they're establishing all right um uh, we we want our kids to do well in school so they can get a good job money so that they can provide for their needs and support their hopefully future family uh but the psalmist in psalm 37 verse 25 says i have been young and now i'm old yet have i not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread uh, God tells us over and over again in his word, if we'll serve him, put him first, he'll take care of us. Uh, and we need to keep our priorities in the right place. You know, Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And these things, the context he's talking about there, were physical necessities. If we'll put God first, our necessities will be met. Uh, we might not be able to, in our mind, grasp how that's going to happen, and we don't have to necessarily understand how that's going to happen. But we know that Jesus said it would happen, and so we need to put him first and everything else to take care of itself. All right. The last thing we had on our list of things that students need in order to be pleasing to God in the midst of the challenges they face as students is an idea, John, that your daughter referenced in her email tonight, and that is that our students need an understanding of accountability. They do. They do. I think far too often parents have a tendency of wanting to um, cover for their children cover for their mistakes 
And um, kids have got to learn early on to be accountable for their actions. Exactly right. Uh, Monty, uh, the Bible tells us over and over again, adults and young people need to understand that we're going to be held accountable for the way that we live. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap, reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So it's telling us we're going to be accountable for whatever we do. And if we act properly, then we'll get a good reward. And if we act improperly, we're going to get a bad reward. And we get to choose that. You know, we're a free moral agent people. We get to choose, but we know up front that what the consequence is going to be for our choices. All right. And uh, finally, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart surely in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Our children need to understand that. We all need to understand that, John, that God is going to hold us accountable for the way that we live, and that needs to guide and direct every step that we make in this life. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, we come back to the fact that it's the little bitty lessons that we start with when they're little that will begin to shape them in the direction they need to go. And accountability is one of the greatest areas. All right. You know, our children are going to learn that accountability at home when we punish them for their misdeeds. Uh, If we let them get away with it, then they'll get that attitude, well, I can get away with anything. Uh, Mom and Dad didn't have any accountability for me, so God's going to be the same way. And they'll get that attitude, we don't have to obey God because there's no accountability. Okay. All right. Well, add one point to what Monty said. If we don't teach it to them at home, they're going to learn it at some point in life. It's just going to be a much harder, harder lesson. Well, that's true. That's true. It's better to learn it from someone that loves them. That's right. All right. Well, John, uh, appreciate you joining us in uh, Edmond, Oklahoma. Tell our listeners again about your program on Tuesday night at 730 Central Time. Thank you, Jacob. If you're around your computer at Tuesday nights at 730 Central Standard Time, point your browsers to www.scripturalway.org, scripturalway.org, and uh, join us for a similar type of video study that we have every Tuesday night at 730. We're currently in the process of studying the armor of God. And um, we are in lesson number four. If you go to the website and look at previous broadcasts, you'll be able to watch the one we just covered this past Tuesday and be preparing yourself for the one that's coming up this upcoming Tuesday. We're looking at preparing our feet with the gospel of peace. So, And we have a chat room like this one, so we'd love to hear from you as well. Well, John, thank you for taking your time to be with us tonight. We really appreciate you joining in the discussion. Thank you for inviting me. I've really I've had a good time with you all tonight. All right. Monty, thank you for being here. And uh, hopefully uh, the seat didn't get too warm over there. Is that in the, in the filling the big shoes tonight? No, I made it okay. I right, appreciate you being here. Thank you. And thank you for being here tonight. We hope that you benefited from uh, the study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.